It's Wednesday, December 2nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Happy Wednesday. Thank you. It's happy in here because outside it's just terrible. It's just the it's the, it's the worst of the winter weather here, and by that I mean it's cold and rainy. And and we're still basking in the glow of uh, post Rudolph. Uh, yes. You know, celebration. CBS airing last night Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. So of course we're going to talk about that. As we do every year. As we do every year. But we're going to talk about some business news first, including the latest about Yahoo. But let's start with Asina Retail Group, which is the parent company of Ann Taylor, Dress Barn, Justice. First quarter profits came in much higher than expected. They raised guidance for the full fiscal year. And I don't know what's going on with this stock. I don't know what happened between the time the trading opened and investors were looking at these results and the stock popped 8% and in the ensuing 2 to 3 hours it has come back to the point where it's basically flat did they say something on a conference call like what this this is a good quarter i mean that's that's the one two punch we like to see out of most companies and certainly retailers where they're beating on profit and they're raising guidance yeah i think investors remembered that it was a senior retail group <laughs> that we're talking about which not to beat up on anybody, uh, but is, is is has been a very unexciting stock for a long period of time, and has lost half of its value over the last year and a half, and is still the same company. And so, it, <clears throat> excuse me, it's it's bouncing off of a little bit of a a recent low, but it's the same company. It it it's in retail. Retail is uh, not having a great last couple of months. And I, I think there's just no. You may have had some short covering, perhaps I don't know, in, in the uh, thinly traded uh, pre-market trading. Uh, that may have been part of it. It was a, it was a decent report. They, they beat on earnings, but they didn't beat on, on sales. You know, against estimates. So I, I think it was. When you look through it a little closer, is a rather bland report. And when you think about what we've been hearing from major retailers, uh, including Macy's among others, over the last month or so, they have been saying, "Look, the warmer weather is affecting our clothing sales because people are just not looking to go out and buy sweaters and winter coats and that sort of thing." And so here you have an apparel retailer. It stands to reason that maybe the results, even though they beat, weren't quite what people were hoping for, or quite what they could have been if. We had the typical weather. Yeah, I think you'd rather see uh, better sales than just earnings be, uh, beating on you know cutting costs and things like that. Uh, I think the weather is a legitimate concern, has been for retailers. Uh, you've got El Nino out there giving uh, some cause for concern if you're concerned about the winter being too warm, which not everybody is in all circumstances, but retailers are when they have stocked up on. Lots of sweaters and coats, and you know you've got to get these things out of the store one way or another. And I bet they are going to be discounting things um, very soon. Let's move on to Cabela's, the outdoor hunting, fishing, and camping retailer, which announced that uh, the company's board of directors has begun to explore strategic alternatives to enhance shareholder value. Why don't they just come out and say, "Hey, you know what? We're for sale." The entire business, not just the gear we're selling, the whole thing is for sale. Who wants to buy us? 
Well, it's code, right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's code, and and it was already out there, right? This this was not the rumors were out there that Bass Pro was looking at uh, Cabela's or is looking at them and may still be. Now they have engaged somebody to help them uh, shop the company and or look at other strategic alternatives beyond just selling the company. I think that the company has a pretty good history of growth and rewarding shareholders. It's hit a little bit of a bump uh, recently, and it is definitely uh, taken a, a punishment on the stock side over the last year and a half. Is this one of those businesses, and we've talked about others that seem to fit in this regard, and the first one that leaps to mind is the container store. Is this one of those businesses that would just be better off if it were private or if it were part of some other entity? Certainly, the container store seems like a business that would would be better off being private. And I'm wondering if Cabela's is the same thing, where it's like, yeah, at various points the stock has done well, but in general, we're we're looking to be private. Well, they're considering it right now, and the private equity may be interested. And Bass Pro is private, and that's working out for them. Uh, they needn't necessarily be public if they are scaling back on their growth plans. And they have grown the company. Uh, if you look over the last ten years, uh, the value of, of the company, the stock has has tripled. So that's a pretty good return for shareholders over a ten year period. And I think that they can. Take uh, take credit for that uh, management of the company. They've they've got distinctive stores, and the question is you know, whether you need stores the scale and the size that they have traditionally been, which are really. Have you been to a Cabela's? I have not. They're huge. They're I've, huge. I've driven past some, and yeah, they look huge. And they've got like gigantic mounted reindeer and various other uh, animals uh, in, in the store, um, and. I bring up reindeer, Rudolph, because we're going to get back to it. Well, of course we are. People are people are worried already about just how far off the rails we'll go this time. Uh, so anyway, they they build these enormous stores with a you know a lot of uh, stuff to game in them, and they're very effective, and they're they're generally uh, more out west and and midwest, and they've they've introduced new concept where they're. Building smaller scale versions of these and, and getting better uh, economics from those, but uh, the question is whether whether they have as much growth uh, in their near future as they used to think that they had. And in that case, there there may be a, a, a use for private equity rather than being public. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that Yahoo's board of directors is considering a sale of the company's core internet business. There are really two narratives going on here. One is whether or not they're going to sell the internet businesses. The other is how secure is Marissa Meyer as CEO. Let's start with the internet business. I don't think if they decide to, in fact, sell their core internet businesses, they're going to be lacking for bidders. Because it really does seem like, at least if you're if you're looking for opinions, it seems like a lot of businesses, a lot of commentators have an opinion on what to do with those core internet businesses. The question is, should they? Is that? Do you think that's the right move? I think okay, it's up seven percent today, and 
originally the narrative was, here's what Yahoo's going to do. They're going to spin off the Alibaba and Yahoo Japan holdings. And that's essentially $30 billion-ish. Uh, but for a company that has a market cap today of thirty-four billion, right, and and had uh, a market cap of less than that before today, right, because it's up seven percent, so that that's about you know two three billion right there. Uh, so the the core business, what you think of in terms of Yahoo.com and sports and finance and all that, basically the market is valuing it at zero. It's got to be worth more than that. It just has to be. So either you spin off. The holdings to your shareholders, the the Alibaba and Yahoo Japan, uh, and that was the narrative up until very recently. And the problem with that is there might be a tax bill, a very 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 significant tax bill. And the problem with that is the word "might." Nobody knows. Yahoo can't figure it out. They're not getting guidance from the IRS. There's if you make that spin off, how how do shareholders value? Uh, what is spun off? I know you're not a tax expert, but th- I can play one. Th- this seems like a pretty black or white kind of thing. Why wouldn't the IRS be able to tell Yahoo, "Oh, yeah, this is going to you. Yes, if you sell this, there is going to be a tax, and here's what it's going to be based on what you sell it for." I'm not a tax expert. Okay, you're right. It's a good question. But doesn't it's it a see- good question? But the the answer is nobody seems to know and and the in in ultimately because there is some judgment involved who's making that judgment at the IRS i don't know you know they they could go either way on whether that is a taxable uh, event i don't know a whole lot about the IRS but it seems like if they're good at anything they're good at writing down taxes you know, every year it gets trotted out yeah. how complicated <laughs> and how huge the U.S. tax code is. So it seems to me that somewhere in the tax code there'd be there'd there'd be something written down about what, either what it's you there mean, or it's not. Why what is, you mean is they're good at writing things about taxes, but may may have written too many things such that you can look at one part of the code and say, ah, this is a non-taxable event, and another part and say, oh, in these other. 75,000 words, there's language which could be interpreted as saying this is a taxable event. At any rate, the solution to that may be, all right, well, you keep everything where it is in this company that we know today as Yahoo, and then you spin off all the other businesses because that can be done without the same tax consequences. I think the stock's up 7% today because they have a lot of options. There are It's financial engineering to a degree but yeah there are people whether it be Verizon or or Comcast or any number of other players who would be interested in these assets and might have a better reason for owning owning them in you know different ways than they're arranged right now and as we know Yahoo has been struggling to to have an identity beyond this huge Alibaba stake for a while Marissa Meyer had about as good a first year as a CEO can have. Her first 12 months at Yahoo, pretty much any way you slice it, were laudatory, both in terms of the stock performance, uh, in terms of employee morale. And the further we get away from that first year, the more it seems like 
I don't want to say she got lucky because I don't think she got lucky. She seems too talented and too smart for that. But it does seem maybe more of a case of that the things she was able to fix and work on in the first year were less challenging than the challenges she's facing right now. Because certainly from the standpoint of the stock, from the reports that you read about her leadership, she, I mean, she, let's face it, she is on the hot seat. Um, we were talking earlier this morning. I said, gosh, you know, when, when we get to December with the, with the radio show, and one of the things we do is we start looking ahead to the new year. And one of the things we talk about is what company needs a hit, what CEO needs a hit. Marissa Meyer needs a hit. She, she really needs a big hit. Or a year from now, I don't think she's the CEO of this company anymore. Well, that's okay too. I, you know, in terms of options, she has options. One of which may be to uh, just do something different than be the CEO of Yahoo. That being a job which I think a lot of people agree comes with enough challenges that she, whether you think she should stick around or not, uh, nobody can seem to name anybody else who would necessarily have done better. They would have done different things. Uh, but there, there are enough challenges there that, whatever you think, maybe she would be happier trying some something different. I don't know, and it makes no sense for me to speculate on what she wants or what the board thinks of her. Uh, I would just say there are plenty of options for her. There are plenty of options for Yahoo. What they have got right now is not what is going to be in the in the future. There is going to be some sort of action taken, whether it is going back to spinning out these. Alibaba um, proceeds and returning them to shareholders or h- hanging on to the money and using that money uh, in in some form um, and I think that uh, I think recode came out and uh, you know, Swisher from recode Kara is, Swisher uh, yep usually knows very well what she's talking about is saying that you know rumors of Marissa being you know, uh, demise are greatly exaggerated so I would say that her reporting is the one to look to right now as to whether that's really the case. I mean, it's all just speculation from everybody else. You want to talk about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? It seems relevant. It does seem relevant. To us. To I mean, <laughs> it's not, maybe not the audience, maybe not anybody else. I was going to say, a long-time listeners may have been expecting this. For new listeners... Um, Go back and listen to all the old shows. No, you'll... no we don't want to submit them to that. But uh, but it is a favorite. It's certainly my it's favorite. One of your favorite. Is, is it your absolute favorite in terms of of holiday Christmas TV specials? Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, the claymation classic from 1964, is number one on the list by far. By far. It, yes, it's fantastic because I enjoyed it when I was a kid. So there's the nostalgia aspect. And as an adult, I now come to appreciate the vast unintentional comedy of this special. And then uh, you live blog about it. I, I, I was live. I, it's the only thing I, 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 I'm generally pretty judicious on Twitter. I don't want to, I'm not one of those people who tweets a ton. But last night I did, I did tell people, I'm going to be live tweeting Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Did for, you tell your audience you would be? Because uh, there's another opportunity. As some out there know, Rudolph's airing twice this year. That's right. It's a week from Saturday. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. CBS and kudos to CBS and any shareholders out there should feel good about the fact that CBS knows when they've got a hit on their hands that they can sell ads again, because this thing is fifty years old, 
and they're still showing it, and they're they're still making money off of it. It's brilliant. It is. It's it's it a, a enormously successful investment of what one assumes was a couple thousand dollars or tens of thousands of dollars at most uh, in 1964 when it first aired, and. Uh, you know what? What stood out from this year's uh, showing to you? Two business ob- observations from this year's. One, Yukon Cornelius, the prospector who's looking for gold or silver. I, it suddenly hit me. Gosh, Horsehead Holdings, ticker symbol, ticker symbol Zinc, Z-I-N-C. Horsehead Holdings should get a guy like this either on the board or as an advisor because he's Mister Commodities and he's agnostic. He he's not all about gold or all about silver. He's he's looking for whatever, he's just looking to make money, and you want someone, and especially if you're Horsehead Holdings or a shareholder, you really want someone like that. And the other, and this is one of the things I wrote on Twitter last night, if he ran a public company, Santa Claus would absolutely be one of those CEOs who blames the weather. Late in the special, where he's like, "Well, it's snowing outside. I guess we're going to have to cancel Christmas." First of all, you live at the North Pole. Isn't it always snowing outside, or certainly this time of year? Suck it up, man. What's your problem? <laughs> I mean, get it done, Santa. And, and as you pointed out right before we started taping, Santa Claus in this special, as depicted in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, kind of bipolar. Yeah, he's not. He's not a kind. He's 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 more like an Old Testament Santa. Yeah. You know, yeah. the wrath of Santa comes down on the elves for being a little bit off tune on on their. Kind of, kind of mails it in, you know, when the weather comes in. Not, not that that's particularly Old Testament, but he, he, he's a little bit more wrathful. And certainly, I, I don't think he would be written the same way with, with his, his, frankly, bigotry uh, about, <laughs> you know, Rudolph's nose and his assertion that Donner should be ashamed of himself for giving, you know, birth or you know his family having this deformed, you know, reindeer in their midst. Yeah. That this is this is shameful. Yeah, the uh, fact the fact that, and again, this is the unintentional comedy of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. I mean, he pulls it together by the end. So right, it's, it's sort of a redemption story. A, a little bit, but <laughs> for, for somebody, but, I don't know. But when you're watching it, it's clear. Like, wow, if you're even a little bit different, then you're ostracized at the North Pole. Unlike, say, the Island of Misfit Toys, where everybody's different, which makes the Island of Misfit Toys a little bit more awesome. Well, except for for um, Rudolph and Hermie, who still can't get a home there, and are as Yukon Cornelius points out, misfits even on Misfit Toy yeah, Island. Even among misfits, they're misfits. I mean, but you, you know, there are a number of things that um, make more sense as you go through the uh, the history of it. I, I believe that in the original airing, perhaps the Misfit Toys were not rescued. Oh, really? Yeah, they're just left there. Wow, that's kind of dark. <laughs> but where were they gone to the island and then left? You know, I'm not sure. I, I, or or they didn't show the clip and or or something of Santa. That's kind at of the in, end. that's kind of in keeping with the rest of the tone of the rest of the thing. It's like, well, here at the North Pole, we're all about conformity, and if you're a misfit, we're going to put you on an island by yourself. Uh, also, the reason why Yukon Cornelius throws his pick. In, into the snow, it lands, and then he licks it. Yes, is not explained. I'm just assuming that's uh, that's how they that's how prospectors roll. No, there was um, in an early version, or, or in the early script, or in an early cut, he was looking for 
uh, peppermint mine. So he wasn't actually. That's looking, in the script. He wasn't looking for gold or silver. He was looking for a peppermint mine. He's. It's. You know. They're. They're not all that logically consistent in the, in in the story as we've gone over. But that's why he does that, right? I mean, he's not hoping to lick some some gold off of his pick. I just assumed that's how he he tested for gold or silver, and and that uh, therefore uh, Horsehead Holdings should find somebody like him. Listen, Horsehead Holdings <laughs> needs all the help it can get. So, a, a, Yukon, a Yukon Cornelius type advisor or director, yeah, they could absolutely use that. We're not going to bring in our man Dan Boyd from the other side of the glass, but, but it, for anyone who's still actually listening, here's what we'd like you to weigh in on. You can drop us an email, marketfoolery at fool.com, or you can tweet at us, at marketfoolery, if you're on the Twitter. But we were talking before about the best most beloved, favorite Christmas movies, and without hesitation, Dan Boyd said, Die Hard. Just immediately went into a vigorous defense of Die Hard. And when I say vigorous defense, what I mean is a vigorous and profane defense of of the movie Die Hard, and made a good case for it. You took the other side of it, so I would like our listeners to weigh in if they're so inclined. Just drop I, I think there are solid arguments either way yes. for, for whether it qualifies as a Christmas movie. The Bruce Willis classic from 1988, Die Hard, is it a Christmas movie or not? Drop us an email, marketfoolery@fool.com, or just tweet at us. You're going to take the other side, though. Uh, you appreciate both arguments, because you like the movie. I like the movie, and I, I, I know that it has a, a Christmas element to it. I just think the Christmas element could be written out of Die Hard rather easily without changing what makes the movie what it is. Whereas that would be pretty hard to do with Rudolph. It would be hard to do. Or The Grinch, right? Yeah. The Grinch. I I mean, and they've tried, right? I mean, isn't there like The Grinch shows up in some sequel or something? Stealing Halloween or I don't know what. Yeah, I think they tried. I mean, Rudolph has got his, his sequels and nobody cares. Right. Nobody cares about a shiny new year. No, we don't we don't really care about the shiny new year. And we don't as much as we love how the Grinch stole Christmas and that's a solid number 2 on my list. That's second that's in second place. That gets a silver medal. Uh we, we don't want to see the Grinch trying to steal Halloween. Just stick stick stay in your lane. Just so you, stay in your lane. You know my original TMF comes from the Grinch. Your original TMF name? Yeah. What was your original TMF your screen name? TMF Max. Max, yes, the dog. Yes. The classic dog. Nobody is still listening, I guarantee you. Everyone has dropped <laughs> off at this point. Do people even know what a TMF is now? Uh, uh, they have to be like on the message boards. Yes. Right? Yes. So if you're on you fool.com. Are TMF wizard? Yes. Um, everyone, Why? I'll explain in a moment. Everyone has a screen name on the Motley Fool website for the discussion boards. and it's So it, people know when it's an employee of the Motley Fool. or Exactly. You know, so my very first job at the Motley Fool was wizardry, media relations wizard. That was my job title. <laughs> and on my first day, among the things I had to go through, where you fill out the various forms and all that sort of thing, was oh, and you we're setting up an AOL account for you. You need to pick a TMF name. I didn't just an MF at the time, I believe. No, no, no. It was, at this point, it was TMF. Okay. And I was unfamiliar with AOL. And how the service worked, and I, a little bit head spinning because it was my first day at the company, and without much thought, I just thought, well, my job title is media relations wizard, I'll go with TMF wizard, 
and I've kept that ever since. And every once in a while, I'll get an email from someone or a, a response on a discussion board where someone has assumed either I am a huge Harry Potter fan <laughs> or I'm a huge fan of the Washington Wizards basketball team. I am a fan of both, but not such a huge fan of either that that's why I chose the name. It's it, That's how little thought went into it. You can read more from Bill Barker and his colleagues. Go to foolfunds.com. Sign up for declarations. It's the free monthly newsletter. I believe a new a new one is out because uh, I saw that on Twitter from the Fool Funds handle uh, or an in insights something. I One of the I, things thing, I think things are, are you know dropped out through Twitter like r- announcing oh yeah this this is out but it, it's been out for I don't know the the December one is is in the editing uh, process right now. All right, coming soon. And and you'll be available on. Will you be live tweeting again like around two? Uh, I, I think I think I'm probably good. Anyone who's who's truly curious what I think about Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, has got just, all your best insights for has, the year already. Has got my insights for now. But you know what? Uh, a week from Saturday, I, I'll, I'll probably be at home, so there's a decent chance I'll be watching it again. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd, who believes that Die Hard is the best Christmas movie. So email us, marketfoolery at fool.com. Let us know if you think it is, in fact, a Christmas movie or not. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.